Today's message is a little bit of a special one. It was recorded at Peace Lutheran Church in Vancouver, Washington, where I was privileged to share a little bit of the mission that we have here in Tigard. Listen into the sermon that I shared with them this Sunday. How do you start a church? That's one of the big questions that I've been wrestling with over the last year, ever since my family and I arrived here in Tigard. How do you start a church? I mean, that's the one big question, and then there are so many smaller questions that go into answering that big question. Uh, smaller questions like, where are we going to worship? How are we going to differentiate ourselves from the other churches in Tigard? What's our church building going to look like? What's our youth ministry going to be like? What's our music and worship going to sound like? Uh, how do you even meet people in a pandemic? How do you start a church? The Bible has an answer for that big question, and that answer lies in our text for today. So let's go ahead and dig in. Our text comes from the first sermon that was preached after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter has stood up in front of the people of Jerusalem, people of all kinds of races and cultures, ideals and political leanings, and he's preaching a tough sermon to them. We're going to drop in on the end of the sermon, and we'll hear the end of what Peter said was going to so, be so tough for the people to hear. Second, we'll, we'll see how the people reacted, and we'll also see what Peter told them to do about it. Are you with me? All right, so we'll go ahead and read from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is God's word. There's a pretty impressive number at the end of this scripture. 3,000. I want to show you just how impressive that number is. <laughs> 3,000 people is more people than live in the small Wisconsin town that I spent a year and a half or so of my childhood growing up in. And 3,000 people is more people than maybe any of us have seen gathered together for a year and a half. I mean, think about it. How many times would we, have, we, would we be holding a worship service on a Sunday morning so that we could have 3,000 people come in and out? It's 3,100s. It's 3,1,000s. It's especially big when you consider that the entire Christian church on earth at that time probably numbered just over 100 people. And so what this represents, if you think about it, is 300% growth. And if you're a small business or if you're a church plant like we are over in Tigard, you are going to salivate if that growth even happens over a span of five or ten years. But this happened in a moment. I hope you're getting a sense of the power that was in that moment at Pentecost, that 3,000 people came to believe and were baptized on that one day. 
it prompts this question, what was that power? We really want to find out, right? Because don't you want to leverage that kind of power? Don't you want to capture that lightning in a bottle so that you can use it whenever you need it? I know I do. I'm guessing you do too. You know, something that I think about when I consider the number 3,000 is that it's not really a number. I know I just spent a couple minutes talking about that number and how impressive it is, but really it's not a number. These are immortal souls. These are 3,000 children of God that came to believe. And I want to use that power so that people can know Christ. I know you want to use that power too. So what was it? What power was in that moment? You know what the answer is? The power that worked in those 3,000 people's hearts on that day. Luke tells us what it was. He says it was cutting. Cutting did that. Spiritual, surgical cutting. That's what Luke tells us. He tells us that Peter cut the people to the hearts, and he used these words to do it. He said, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And that's pretty crazy stuff. This is basically what Peter was saying. He was saying, be assured of this, Israel. You want to be assured of something? Be assured of this. You guys killed God. No, actually, it's worse than that. You crucified God. Oh, and and by the way, God's back. He's alive again. He is risen from the death that you put on him, and you should probably think about what that means for you. This sermon was being preached about a month and a half after Jesus had been crucified. It's true that these people in the crowd listening to Peter probably weren't the people who pounded the nails into Jesus' hands and feet on Good Friday. And these probably weren't the same people who pushed the crown of thorns into his forehead, but still, Peter came to them and told them, you guys are guilty of so much worse than homicide. You are guilty of deicide. You killed God. And that's a pretty wild way for Peter, one of the original church planters in the early church, to preach. And it's an interesting idea of thinking about how to start or how to grow a church. Because there are lots of ways to grow a church. There are so many of them. Did you know that church planting is actually a pretty large industry in America? So many thousands of books, so many thousands of seminars, so many pieces of advice that are telling you how you can get people to show up to your church. And you can do that. You can get people to show up with the best worship music in the area or with the most cutting-edge youth program or with the most robust community outreach program. You can grow a church. You can get people to come in your doors. You can do that. But what we are being taught here is that if you want to grow the church, if you want to grow Christ church, here's what you got to do. Here's step one. You got to cut. 
You have to cut with the law of God. You have to do as Luke said. Cut to the heart. Now let me point something out to you. Not all cutting is bad. All cutting hurts, but not all cutting is bad. Just think about the kind of cutting that happens in a hospital. The surgical kind of cutting that happens under the watchful eye of a trained surgeon. That's the kind of cutting where a spiritual doctor cuts like I'm going to cut right now when I say the same words that Peter spoke on Pentecost Day. You killed God. People of peace, you did that. And no, it's actually worse than that. You crucified God. You can draw a straight line from your life directly to what happened on that cross. All cutting hurts, not all cutting is bad because that spiritual scalpel helps us get into the cracks and crevices of our souls that we didn't even know existed. That spiritual scalpel helps us to understand this, that our spiritual situation without a Savior is so bad that Jesus had to die to heal it. And he did die to heal it. Are you seeing now that this is how we grow Christ's church? It starts with the cutting of a spiritual scalpel. You have to cut with the law so that people see their need for forgiveness. Because once you see your need for forgiveness, that's when you're going to start to want the church. You're going to want what Christ has to offer you. Those 3,000 people on Pentecost who Peter cut to the heart in his sermon universally wanted the same thing. It didn't matter their language, their background, their economic or political status. They all wanted the same thing universally. They ached for the forgiveness of God. They were cut to the heart. They were contrite. They were repentant. And they asked this question, Brothers, what shall we do? Their question shows that they were starting to understand They were understanding that they were guilty of killing God and they were starting to wonder what happens next. How in the world do we get onto good terms with this God that we nailed to a cross? How do we make things right with him? And what did Peter say next? He said, Be baptized. I have to point this out. I love to point this out. Baptism is not something that you do. Peter didn't say, baptize yourself. It's not something that you give to God or do for God. It's something that you receive, something that's done to you and for you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Baptism is something that gifts you everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus has done. That's why it's done in His name. And it's done for the forgiveness of sins, for whatever it is that you've got going on in your heart that made Jesus die. Baptism is for that. 
Now let me point, point out what's going on in the big picture here. I think you're going to see this is the coolest thing. You have a God who is so good and so loving that you can kill him and he still loves you. That's what God is showing you here. You killed him. No, you crucified him and yet he still loves you. Peter says, you killed God, but here's how you get right with him. Do absolutely nothing. He didn't give the people a list of things that they have to do in order to appease an angry God. He knew that he had a group of people in front of him who knew that there was nothing they could do to appease God. They knew they couldn't uncrucify him. And so Peter tells them to do nothing. In fact, he just tells them to receive a gift baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now you tell me that that's not just about the coolest thing that you've ever heard in your life. That you can commit the most horrendous atrocity under the sun and God will say, I love you. I want you in my family. I want you in my life and death. And I want to give you the forgiveness of sins. You know what we call that message? The gospel. And the gospel is what grows the church. The gospel is what grows the church because it draws all people to the grace of God. In the gospel, the spiritual wounds of sin which all people carry around receive medicine. By the power of the gospel, whatever we might have going on in our hearts and our lives is not too much for Jesus. That's the gospel. And when you know that, then you know God. Then you know a God who is so powerful that he raises himself from the dead. And you know a God who is so good that he did it all for the forgiveness of your sins. Now I'll ask you, what if there was a place where you could experience that regularly? To know a God that good and that forgiving and that personal. What if there was a church that wasn't just trying to be a cafe or a concert or a pastor who wasn't just trying to be your personal life coach? What if there was a church that just wanted to use the power at its disposal to use the law to diagnose you and the gospel to hear you? What if there was a church whose music and coffee and building was just focused on being a hospital for you so that week in and week out you could be left with Christ? I ask you, how powerful would that church be? How effective would it be? We already know the answer. Law and gospel made 3,000 people jump into Christ's church just like that. That's the power that we have here. The power to show people their need and then the gospel to show everyone here, especially you, that you are saved. And so, brothers and sisters, pray for us. 
Pray for us as we put plans in place to plant a church in Tigard. Pray for us as we figure out the answers to all of our questions, where our building will go, what it might look like, what our music might sound like, how we might reach out to the community. Pray for us in all of that. Because those plans are important. But give thanks with us that our biggest question is already answered. How do you grow the church? It is the power of the word. Amen.